What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Okay, today's guest is a proven, articulate thought leader in our industry. He's delivered exceptional results in strategic management, operation, sales, leading development and acquisition efforts in our hospitality industry. He's a recognized lodging and restaurant industries. He's the chief development officer at Sinesta, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Quinn. Hello, Dan Ryan. How's it going? Oh, it's so good. It's so good to see you. And I'm, I've been talking to, you know, a lot of people on your team to kind of get this all set up. And one of the things that I've been most excited about, and we'll get into it um, in a bit, is throughout the pandemic, I saw like in our industry, there were people who went away. There were people who just battened down the hatches and got super defensive. And there were a few people and companies that really pushed on the throttle and said, this is a time for growth and opportunity. And in the last category, I feel like maybe I can count those on like one hand. And Sinesta is definitely one of those that looked at this as a as a once in an opportunity, once in a lifetime opportunity. So before we get into that whole story, because I think that whole idea of abundance and growth and what the future is is super exciting. You've been in hospitality since 1991. You started in the midst of a recession um, after the savings and loan. And I think it was also the Gulf War was raging. Like, what do you love about hospitality? You know, I think it's a lot like a lot of us from all the different parts of the discipline, whether it's the design side, architecture, development, ops. It's really about either falling in love with the industry or not. And I think ultimately it calls for, you know, loving people and a high EQ. Uh, and I think you have to recognize that our broad industry is different. Uh, we are required to be hospita hospitable in the hospitality business. And those are two H's sometimes that are hard to get out of your mouth, but but I really mean it, right? We, we have a different care and concern for our employees because they deliver our product, mm -hmm. right? And we are really all joined together. A great design idea, really only comes to life if there's someone willing to put it in their building and is that rooted in something that the consumer needs and can they get a return on it, right? So I think um, we are all linked together. We're all in the industry for a reason because we do have that um, maybe connection to the human condition and, and um, you know, an overarching um, need and ability to be with others that are, that are like-minded and to care for each other. Uh, but I do believe we do have a duty to be hospitable in the hospitality business. And, and on occasion, when different people or enterprises get off that path, you can see that um, you know they're off their strategy because the hotel business, travel, tourism has to have that route. It's why we're able to come to market different with our products and why we all try and take care of each other and bring everybody along on the journey. And and for your whole career, you've you have the hospitality bug. You've never strayed out of it. You've been in it since even before your official career started as a kid, correct? Yeah, I started out as a bellman, um, slinging bags when I was 17 on, in Long Island. Uh, Where was, what, what hotel? 
uh, it was the Holiday Inn in Ronkakuma near Long Island Islip MacArthur Airport. So uh, great. Uh, and I think like a lot of us, though, either you fall in love with it or you don't. And um, I found my people and I found my uh, my business. And and I really did ops for just a little over 10 years uh, and, and didn't realize that my career would end up in this incredible journey to be on the uh, business and real estate and franchise side. But uh, it's been a incredible uh, opportunity and journey. And I'm blessed to have had the opportunities that have been put in front of me. Okay. Now I, I love that. And it really resonates with me, especially, I don't know, you always hear those stories of the people who started as a bellman or started slinging bags, like you were saying. And then now, you know, like you've just stuck with it and stayed. It's been a long, steady progression for you. Um, I'm also amazed that now in hospitality, we're, we're so thirsty for good people to work in hospitality and it's been hard to get people to come back. I also think that this is the best time ever to start a career in hospitality because if you can get in and you're and you're working and you're making and you you feel that high EQ like you said and that love of job, I think that the career trajectory right now is probably among the steepest in all industries out there. What are you seeing? How do you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, we, we've we got a very large employee base at Sinesta, somewhere between 8,500 and 10,000 employees. But we um, you are on this journey with the rest of the industry trying to fill all of our positions. And, uh, and we have, we have you know, a significant number of, uh, of open uh, roles uh, and continue to do that purely as a function of some of the uh, sort of follow-on issues with, uh, you know, from the pandemic and, for, and from COVID. But I, I, I agree, I think... The industry has to continue to do a good job to tell the story. It's hard work, but it's incredibly rewarding work. And if you have any sense of adventure, whether it's in meeting new people or in seeing the world and seeing the country, it's one of the industries that that um, you know affords that that opportunity. And also, I think you know a lot of different debate around the cost to operate a hotel and the cost to renovate a hotel and the uh, upward pressure on wages. And, and all of that is real, but coming out of COVID for the first time in a long time, we've got some positive pressure on rates. So maybe we can we can trickle that down. I think COVID also taught us how to use technology across the business in all different ways to try and cull some cost out. Uh, so hopefully we'll bring that into, into balance. Um, but yeah, I think the opportunity because um, some people have left the industry, there are roles. And it is one of the few industries left where literally um, you can start out as a dishwasher or, or a bellman and end up, you know, running, running the business or a part of the business. So um, if you have that sense of adventure or that commitment to hospitality, I agree with you hundred percent. It's a great time to, uh, to jump in. I love it. And then also, I don't know, we met a few years ago through some friends, right? And one of the things that I, that's always drawn me to you and excited me about you is that, um, Look, there's glass half full people, there's glass half empty people, but I really feel like you are definitely on that glass half full, like abundant mindset. And that's kind of where I want to kind of dig in here, because I think the Sinesta story through the pandemic, also you finding your way there um, <laughs> is really incredible, because how many how many properties about did Sinesta have before the pandemic started? Yeah, before, before the pandemic uh, somewhere between 30 and 50. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it had, um, RMR purchased it in 2012 uh, and it had less than 10 uh, at that point. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
RMR through HPT, SVC had a big footprint with some of our now competitors. And those assets at different times would rotate in and out of Sinesta, either acquisitions that needed renovations or impact and that kind of thing. So that was that was um, part of the strategy to, to have the brand to continue to grow the portfolio. But obviously COVID and the pandemic brought a couple of other unique opportunities to the, to the floor and uh, to uh, John Murray and, and uh, Keith Pierce's credit, they, they took the bull by the horns and made some pretty big, bold decisions, uh, along with the balance of the team that brings us to, you know, to where we are today. And and what is that number approximately right now? I know it changes day to day. Uh, but Yeah, just uh, uh, we like to say approximately 1200 hotels uh, <laughs> and, and 16 brands. So if you can imagine in that period of time. Bringing the uh, bringing the companies together and launching the other brands, pretty incredible, bold move to make through you know to make through COVID. And some of those decisions were made when we didn't have line of sight to the to the vaccine and the, you know the changing protocols and the and the snapback in travel. I mean, I think we all hoped that a return to dining out and a return to travel would be robust. Um, I continue to be incredibly impressed with the resiliency of the public to travel, mm -hmm. uh, even with the sort of little bit of uh, cloudy view on the economics right now. Um, I think if unemployment stays strong, um, when you're told you can't do something for a while, boy, do people want to do it. And just that dining out and travel is such a high self-actualization um, component of who people are because I think they were restricted for so long. So totally, we've got a nice little run as long as we can keep employment strong, I think. So to really go from like 30 to 50 to 1200, I mean, that's just unheard of. And I actually, when we, I saw you at the lodging conference, I did speak with Keith over a glass of wine and he was kind of running us through like how the planets aligned, which really became almost, a, at least in our industry, like a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. Absolutely. Were you on board before that happened, as it happened, after it happened, like, what was your story? And then like, again, you being that glass half full person and being like, oh boy, how did you recognize that it was a once in a lifetime opportunity? And like, how are you keeping your energy levels up to keep up with all of the, all of the needs? Yeah, I think, you know, that's the, give me a few minutes to weave that whole story together. Um, I uh, uh, left Choice just as the, just before the pandemic was beginning, I run new construction, uh, the new construction business for them. So kind of an interesting time to pull back on new construction, but you can see why that sort of was the dynamic that was going to occur. So then, you know, sat back like everybody and said, you know, what's, what's going to happen in the marketplace? How is this going to work? I did have an opportunity to join Domeo, which was an STR uh, company and got to learn a little bit about multifamily business and how they use the sort of commercial engines a little differently in that space versus traditional hotel. But during that whole time, I had reached out uh, to some friends at Sinesta and a few friends had put me in touch and sort of two things were happening at the same time. Um, SVC, our capital partner, had a strategic relationship with both Marriott and IHG, in addition to uh, a couple of other of our competitors with smaller footprints. And through COVID, you know, something had to be worked out because there were some dynamics there that weren't sustainable. 
Um, so that really is what drove um, the Sinesta inventory coming back into the Sinesta brand. Um, and that was a um, just under over 100 hotels came back from both uh, IHG and from Marriott. And that started to create the platform of the Sinesta brand. So Sinesta Simply Suites became the mid-scale, upper-mid um, extended stay. Sinesta ES, which had already uh, been launched previously, got some new inventory in it. And that Sinesta ES is the upscale extended stay product. Sinesta Select, we needed to have an upscale um, select service brand. And that was the process there. And then Sinesta and Royal Sinesta. At the same time, talking about uh, uh, great minds thinking alike, as John Murray's putting that together, along with the Sinesta team, Keith Pierce, former president from Wyndham, was working through an acquisition at Red Lion, which um, I knew something about because I, prior to my time of choice, I was at, at Red Lion. Um, and they had gone through some struggles um, uh, and there was an opportunity to um, acquire that business. Um, so <laughs> when the conversations really heated up, it was a very unique situation for me and that I had a rapport with both John and Keith. Um, they both were doing something pretty incredible during COVID, came together and really the strategy as Keith and John explained it to me is that they could get the growth going quicker by buying a platform instead of completely building a platform, right? So Red, the Red Lion business absolutely needed an investment, but what was what was sitting there? QA, PIP, .com, revenue management, global sales, training, a lot of the platform elements you need for growth and franchising were already there. On the Sinesta side, big investment in the real estate, right? Already there through the capital partner. Most of the major markets covered, which is usually the toughest thing to build your hub and spoke model, and a brand that was very, very clean and still had great equity mm -hmm. and um, had a had a you know an upper upscale upscale uh, positioning. You bring the two of those together, and you just it's the capacity to get up the ladder so much quicker and start to you know uh, drive expense savings with scale, drive more revenue because now you have more tools. Uh, and to and to grow, right? So, and then personally, what was exciting to me is, you know, I had my former children in my Red Lion life, and then my former children at IHG. A lot of the SVC portfolio were Intercontinentals and Kimptons and Crown Plazas and Candlewoods and Staybridges. Those were assets and transactions that I worked on when I was at IHG. So I knew I knew a lot of the assets and a lot of the owners on both sides pretty quickly. So. It was a very unique situation at a unique time. Uh, and then hopefully um, I was able to add a little bit of value to what those two gentlemen did because I knew both portfolios and uh, so well. So, Well, I just know you were at the other side of the room when I was talking to Keith. I was just like fascinated. I just heard you joke that, you know, whether Keith or John thought that you would add value. But as I was standing at the lodging conference and Keith was telling me this crazy story of the planet's alignment, like this once in a lifetime opportunity. I really got the feeling that he was like, that you were such an integral part of that because of, like you said, that the children or all the relationship that you had and the intimate knowledge that you could really kind of help bring all of this together. So I wouldn't, um, just from what I heard from the outside, like you were, you're, a I'll, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I'm the youngest <laughs> kids. I'll take a compliment, whatever. I yeah. <laughs> it, it was amazing. I mean, 
can, just to kind of contextualize this for the um, for the listeners, does this Senesta like hyper growth um, scenario does it rhyme with anything from the past as far as in our industry, um, or was it really just? I mean, you're talking about like a 25x growth in like less than two years, right? I mean, is yeah, there anything I mean, else similar? I, I don't think so, but it was very unique due to the circumstance, right? Because of the existing um, dynamic for uh, our capital partner and those brand relationships and, and COVID really just created insurmountable challenges there. And, and also the recognition of, um, you know, talk about your network working, right? Um, Keith reached out to John and and they had a they had a, a conversation about it and really saw the vision to accelerate uh, the opportunity that was created by bringing the assets back. But you know, you step back and say the um, the most successful hotel brands did a couple of things right, and and I think we're walking our own journey through that pathway. But we're doing the very um, key things that you have to do. You have to invest in the major markets, right? And thankfully, through our capital partner. And our parent company, we've been able to do that. We have great distribution in the top 25 markets, in the top 50 markets. And when I say a significant develop, uh, investment, I mean billions of dollars in bricks and mortar in the major markets. If you can imagine Sinesta all coming together like this, in the top 25, the only two markets that we don't have an asset in, and SVCR, parent, uh, SVCR Capital Partners in the hunt to solve that, is in Los Angeles and Miami. We have distribution, we just need to get a marquee asset mm -hmm. in each of those. Um, I have um, had the opportunity to sell, sell brands that are, you know, in all different spaces across the Affinity platform and, and the uh, positioning platform. It's great to be able to sell off of four great hotels in, in New York and the Clifton, San Francisco and three great hotels in Chicago and incredible distribution in economy and extended stay and mid-scale and upscale, right? So when you're crafting the story of, of Senesta, um, a lot of the things that have proven are proof points for a successful hotel company um, came together just so much quicker. I think the, the one unique thing about this was circumstance and speed, right? So other companies have deployed that uh, strategy over time, and and now they've moved to more of an asset light strategy. You know, we believe we're different, and we'll be a different type of uh, partner um, because we're an owner, because we're an operator. We have that lens on the yeah. standards and return on investment, those kind of things. But the explosive growth really was a function of of the vision uh, of John and Keith and and the circumstance, and that allowed allowed the you know the acceleration. And then there's so many just interesting. Um, common uh, steps along the, the footpath of Sinesta. Both Red Lion and Sinesta, both 1937 is a critical year for both of them around some of the birthing from, you know, from the founders on both sides. And really, when you think about Red Lion, not dissimilar from a lot of other mid-scale, upper mid-scale brands, as the as the roads started to be paved around the, the country after World War II and in the 50s, in the Pacific Northwest, they really had this sort of network uh, of, of hotels that fit the travel pattern of folks in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and as the roads got paved and more accessibility happened, really had you know a nice uh, launch there. Similarly, um, the Sonobans 
in the in the Northeast saw investment in a hotel as a way to sort of uh, enter different verticals of the real estate business that the Sonobins were in and Sonny and Esther saw an opportunity to be in the hotel space and loved the hospitality piece. And that sort of birthed Sinesta at the same time. And, um, you know, but for a couple of twists of fate, uh, Sinesta and, and, the, and the Hiltons battled out for Statler and traded the plaza back and forth and different iconic assets around the country. Um, you know, the trajectory could have could have been, you know, very different at a different time, but super excited about, you know, so where, where it is. And I think the other thing about, you know, the RMR acquisition in 2012 is that, it brought all this other finance and real estate expertise to the business, right? Mm. I do believe the hospitality business is different and we do have to be hospitable, but it does sit in the real estate space, right? Yes. And that capacity and awareness and different structures and those kind of things that do cross over you know, to office and industrial and to healthcare, those different sides of the business that our parent is in, it is a further demonstration of, of why to do business with us and why to have faith in, the, in our ability to succeed and to provide a great return is that we have a platform of incredibly smart folks that live and breathe and eat and drink every day, real estate and finance. And then we are going to protect these you know, hospitality brands and grow them and refine them. And that's really our job the next 24 to 36 months. I love it. And it's it's... It's interesting, like thinking about, I just had a conversation uh, in the past couple of weeks with uh, Jeremy Selman. I don't know if you know him. He was like co-founder of Sedell. Um, he's a, he's a really cool guy, but talking about partnerships where like, obviously in a partnership, you want to find one plus one equals three or five or 10. In this case, the John and Keith company, there's like one plus one equals 25 or 30. It's it's insane. Or nearly Um, 1200 hotels. (laughs) Yeah. So then to also just think on the uh, it is a part of the of the of the of uh, of real assets right so obviously there's a finance component they're performing assets um the real trick also to okay so you have this target you have these great assets that you could bring together merge the platform and the assets but then you need that elephant or what is it the elephant gun or the or the dry powder to right. actually make it all happen like, mm-hmm. how did that all come together? Because at that point, again, people are shortening up, but you were able, or or John and Keith and a lot of other people were able to find capital partners through SVC, R, 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 RMR, yeah, other people. Think, you were just able to bring it all together. Like, it's imagine, just amazing. Yeah. Uh, imagine, you know, when you're sitting there at the, uh, at the, you know, lowest levels of what COVID was doing to the occupancy, it just gets pretty thin. So you have to create your own sunlight in that dynamic, right? So the idea was, you know, would we be, you know, would we be willing to take the hotels back and stand up the commercial engines? And there's a cost there and that there's a journey to do that. Um, and check the box, they were willing to do that. And that came with hard work and investment. And that is not a you know one or two year journey. That's a three or four year journey. Um, and similarly, I think to recognize that that the company could get there quicker by making an acquisition was also a strategic move because a lot of those give you one sort of practical example. Um, we closed on the transaction on uh, 317 mm-hmm. in, uh, in 2021. And we launched uh, four of the Sinesta brands at Lodging Conference um, in fall of 21. Uh, I think we had it September, end of September that year. Um, 
we did that in six months, seven months. God. The speed it would take you to normally create a franchise disclosure document, determine all the fees, figure out all the technology, you know, that can take years. But in, yeah. in this case, we were able to 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 do it within months, and and that journey continues. We we just launched um, this month the franchising effort around Royal Sinesta, so we'll have something in the upper upscale space. Um, and and look, our our capital partner and our parent company continue to be incredibly bullish on the business. We acquired four hotels in New York. You know, our our own internal sort of little uh, way to tease ourselves is you're not really a brand until you're in New York. So we went and bought four hotels in New York. So <laughs> why uh, not? <laughs> so um, uh, we converted the Benjamin into a Royal Sinesta, uh, the Shelbourne into a Sinesta, and then we have the 50 and uh, the Gardens. So we'll have a Sinesta ES and we have a Sinesta Select. And along with that transaction, we uh, acquired the rights to the James brand. So we're going through the process of evaluating that as well. So, And that, that was the Denahan transaction, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Cool. So there's so many brands. There, you said 16 brands, right? But it's not Marriott where there's 32 or four, <laughs> right? I, I think 16 is a lot, but 30 is double. <laughs> yeah. But also with the 30 it's really amazing to see how they've been able to differentiate them mm -hmm. and the amount of work to differentiate them. I, and the thinking behind it is just mind boggling, it, but I feel like they've done a pretty good job, a really good job of doing that. When you look at your 16 brands, where do you see the biggest growth or, or what's exciting you most within those 16 brands? I know you're going to say, I love all my children equally, but like, yeah, <laughs> look, there's a couple of ways you can come at it. You know, what had the best returns through COVID? You would have to say extended stay and economy mm -hmm. was the most robust because everyone geared down on price and then extended stay. We already knew we were on this incredible journey with the extended stay space of our business. It just came into the fore because of technology, work from home, you know, the flexibility around the ability to travel and work at the same time. Um, so we see demand for for extended stay and and for um, and for economy, but in the upscale and upper upscale space. The other thing that we have that's unique is we have market availability, right? So we have 16 brands and and great distribution, 1,200 hotels, you know, eighth eighth largest hotel company in the U.S. But in a lot of the major markets, some of our competitors really are um, out of product, right? So the fact that we have market availability in basically every market with almost every segment. Um, also just creates an opportunity to have a different type of conversation with the prospective investors and joint venture partners and, and uh, prospective franchisees. Yeah. It's like a blue sky moment, right? It's, it's really. I mean, some awesome. of our competitors are at four or five, six, 7,000 and we're at 1200. So we've got a lot of work to do the next five years. <laughs> totally. Um, and then I'm just trying to, so, and, and of the 16 brands, I guess so. You have the the blue sky moment, right? So it's it's really the sky's yeah, the limit. To get into the brand family, we really don't have too much crossover. Again, a few happy coincidences. So just take the vertical of extended stay for a minute. Sinesta ES was positioned as upscale extended stay, so the competitive set there is Homewood, Staybridge, and Residence Inn. Mm -hmm. Sinesta Simply Suites upper mid. Competitive set there includes Candlewood and Town Place, a little bit of Woodspring, a little bit of Echo, depending on the key count and the price point. And then Guesthouse Extended Stay was our sort of economy to mid uh, that 
Red Lion was working on, more mm -hmm. of a competitor like um, uh, uh, Suburban Studios, where you take a traditional guest room and put in some extended stay amenities, storage, and refrigeration, those kind of things. So again, you said, you know, one plus one equals 25. That's another example where it wasn't necessarily set up that way, but it just fell in to place that way. You know, at the top of the food chain in the Red Lion business was RL, but it had never really gotten the distribution, right? So we didn't have too much crossover there. And Red Lion, Red Lion Inn and Suites are mid-scale. When you move to upscale, Sinesta Select and Sinesta Hotels, you know, very clean, you know, positioning, right? Sinesta Select is upscale, um, uh, but with a limited food and beverage uh, offering, the competitors there are Courtyard, Hilton Garden Inn, Cambria, right? Sinesta Hotels, upscale, full serve, right? So Marriott, Hilton, Doubletree, Delta, Renaissance, Crown Plaza. Um, and then Royal comp set there includes, you know, JW, Intercontinental, and, and those kind of different brands. Uh, so pretty clean positioning for the different ways that the consumers have group themselves together and the way our industry has grouped, uh, grouped the brands together. So um, very thoughtful, you know, there's some white space and we're working through that. And we're working so, through some things with the James, a, a few gaps, but, but not a lot and, and, and not really any crossover. So pretty excited that um, this is a pretty good uh, set of brands to feel the playbook from. And it's almost like, and for those of you who don't know, don't know much about this transaction, you, you could say it sounds like, oh, wow, it sounds like really lucky that it happened. I, I just think, again, it's that maybe there's a little bit of luck, but it just seemed like these two entities were just kind of cruising together and had a shared vision. And I don't know, it, it makes me think like, I, I don't really know John, but just in meeting Keith, it's like one of that old adage, like, the harder I work, the luckier I become, right? <laughs> it's just like, I think there's those visionaries who are always yeah. deal makers that are always looking to like make that happen. And then this just provided that once in a lifetime um, moment. Yeah. And to also have a few of those critical success factors already in place yeah. that we had an investment from the parent company, that we had the major markets covered. You know how critical that is when if the hubs are set, you can build the spokes and the extensions, but if you don't have the hubs, it's it's critical. And then I think the other thing going into COVID was, you know, there was starting to be some tension just in the industry around, you know, deliverables for the owner um, and performance and getting the standards calibrations right. You know, we've got a natural governor on our standards and, and on our positioning because our Capital partner owns the hotels, uh, the Sinest, uh, a chunk of the Sinestas. We do now have just under 60 franchise Sinestas as well, um, but the lion's share is still on the own side, uh, just over 200. Um, and then on the RLH side, you know, that's where the lion's share, the uh, balance of the franchise business came from. But look, um, we're excited to continue to stitch the business together. We've done a lot of work on the finance side, legal, HR, back of the house. And I think the fun, uh, more commercial side uh, for the consumer is, is, is the exciting part that's coming where we start to do some more of the integration in the public facing part yeah. of the business. But, you know, Keith and John have us on a very specific true north around Leveraging the scale and reducing the cost and taking advantage of the size, driving revenue into the hotels, 
um, and and growth, right? Because you've got to be where the consumer wants to go. Um, and look, we also had an advantage in the portfolio in that in the Pacific Northwest, we had the drive markets covered and, mm -hmm. and a lot of the national park uh, uh, dynamic covered, and that was critical through COVID. And we had a lot of destination markets covered with Puerto Rico and Hawaii and Florida distribution that helped on the Sinesta side. So as the markets recovered and reopened and the different states calibrated their approach, we were able to give people, you know, experiences under the new, uh, under the new joined up, uh, new joined up business. But you know, we're, we're nearly ten thousand employees, right? If you can imagine, so one of the largest, one of the largest hospitality employers, in addition just just to our distribution, um, you know, eight countries, three continents, sixteen brands, um, and to, I, I think you mentioned it. It's just the speed at which we got there, um, and then. You know, there are pretty clean lines. Each of the boxes that we took into the family are were built in order to drive um, revenue and take care of a very specific consumer. Um, so whether it's upper upscale and the Royal Sinestas with the extra amenities around fitness and sometimes spa and the extra food and beverage elements and outdoor elements, that's there for Sinesta, you know, solid upscale, three meal a day restaurant, fitness and the meeting space, Sinesta Select. You know, they're each built for a specific consumer mm. and the boxes were created so that you could drive revenue through them, right? There's a business model that works uh, and all the way down the line, mid-scale with Red Lion. And then, you know, um, Sinesta Simply Suites, we won um, for the JD Power uh, Award for Sinesta Simply Suites. So, you know, that brand was pretty darn new to win, <laughs> to win that for the extended stay piece. And then... Uh, America's best value in also won second place in the JD Power. So hopefully we'll win more and more of those down the road. But but just that we could punch through with two of the brands that quickly is also it's unreal. That that the brand teams can be incredibly proud of. So as you were speaking, I was I was going back in my mind to the financial crisis. Like having lived in California forever, there were Wells Fargo banks everywhere. I never saw <laughs> one on the East Coast. Then. In the financial crisis, Wachovia, I don't know if anyone ever remembers oh, yeah. that bank, they got acquired by Wells Fargo. And then all of a sudden, it seemed overnight, every single Wachovia had a Wells Fargo ATM and a sign in front. Right. So taking that example of just signage as one example, how the hell do you <laughs> change the signs on a thousand hotels seemingly overnight? Like, how do you do that? Well, the, the advantage was on the um, RLH brands, that signage didn't change. So America's Best Value in and, and Guest House and Red Lion, that all sort of stayed the same. On the Sinesta assets, though, that came back from the other affiliations, yeah, we had to get after that. So there was a temporary signage experience and then the ordering and trying to get everything sort of manufactured and, and through the supply chain during the toughest time of, of COVID and then to get the output. I think... There too, we had a happy coincidence in that when the signs, the permanent signs started going up on the buildings mm -hmm. is right when people, when the travel started to ramp up. And, you know, that was a different numbers have been thrown around 6 million, 8 million, 10 million. But that was just that amount of investment and the number, just the sheer number of signs that went up um, was an incredible way to start to drive, you know, the awareness. Um, and then, you know, we also had a unique experience where our capital partner brought some assets to market. Um, about 70 assets were brought to market by our capital partner. And we were able to retain 
either through franchise or managed just over 60 of those assets in the family. And the ones that traded away for the most part uh, moved into the multifamily space. So that was an incredible way to um, create uh, value and create uh, a way to accelerate the the uh, franchise uh, franchise effort. And we ended up with about 18, 19, 20 franchise groups, uh, franchise owners across those 50 or 60 hotels. And they've been a great group to, to work with and to advocate for us and continue to grow with. So that's been an exciting process that we're just finishing up the, uh, the tail end of that. So that's another interesting question. Like if I were a a potential, a franchisee or a potential franchisee, I'm looking at all the different offerings out there from all the different brands. Like what would I find most attractive about coming to Sinesta? You know, I think there's a couple of things. My top three are market, uh, market availability. Market availability is one. Two is access to, to our executive team, right? You know, we're small but mighty. So it's a, kind of fun. You can call the CEO, you can call the president, you can call me and really brainstorm through on the deals. That market availability is critical. And then the third piece that seems to land so incredibly well, and, and I've seen it work already, is just that owner lens. The fact that our capital partner and our, and our parent company own hotels and that we have such a strong uh, management business means that we are constantly looking for ROI. We are constantly looking to have standards that are rooted in what the consumer needs, but that are also rational, right? And then, you know, the incredible follow-on commitment by our capital partner. At the beginning of this year, um, SVC jumped out and mentioned that um, they were going to spend between 400 million and 600 million in renovating the Sinesta assets, right? So they've launched the brands, and they're holding themselves accountable, uh, just like we're going to hold the franchise community accountable. So we can tell the story now, and then in you know 24 to 36 months, when the entire system is renovated, we'll be able to come to the market and further uh, tell the story to the consumer and the, and the development community. Similarly, you know, I talked about uh, Miami and LA. That's a stated goal of our capital partner to enter into Miami and Los Angeles. So the the power of that commitment. To the, to the bricks and mortar to renovate them and make sure that we're setting a good example. And two, to get into the one or two markets we don't, that cannot be um, uh, short shrifted as, as a critical success factor too. But specifically on the franchise side, what we hear from everybody is they like that we're an owner and they like that we're an operator, that we have that, that we have lens. Um, hey, Brian, when you think about the 400 to 600 million in CapEx you're going to unleash, right? How I'm always curious how um, hotels measure the ROI on that. So they're going to invest all this money. It's going to, how do you know that the money invested, how do you verify that the money invested is going to drive higher rate and occupancy? Yeah, there's two or three ways that you sort of underwrite a, a, a PIP or a CapEx renovation. One is what happens to my performance if I do nothing? Right. So you can look at your performance and you look, can look at your comp set and where you fit in the comp set. Are you outperforming? You know, are you even, are you underperforming? Um, and if you, if you don't take care of the product and don't continue to meet the consumer where they are, you know, what's the risk trade in your performance? Right. So that's, that's one way. Two, I always like to check for headroom in the market. Right. So is there ability to, 
perform better, either my individual asset or has the market inflated, right? Is there is there ability to perform better, right? Because we know that new wins and we know that renovated wins. So if I you make the base case, what if I do nothing? What happens to my performance? How long can I hold where I am with the performance? Is there headroom? Can I, can I outperform, right? And then I think the third piece is, as everything gets accelerated with the consumer from a technology standpoint and a use case, we've got to react quicker, right? There's a lot of changes around food and beverage. There's a lot of changes around in-room experience. There's a lot of changes around uh, what they expect from the frequency program. That investment is also a table stakes a component that if you want to be in the space and grow, you've got to have good you know, examples to grow from. But what I've been so impressed with is the discipline process that our operations team and the brand team and then the asset managers from the uh, ownership have gone through. They want to have great hotels that are great uh, examples, but it has to make business sense, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that both of those tensions in the process around return on investment, meeting the consumer where they are, but the investment has to, has to have a return. And you can measure that by, you know, stop loss, not not losing your position, inflating your position and, and outperforming, right? So you can just run a business model with all three of those. But I think the other- So you're measuring, so you're basically, you're out. Hmm. Oh, good. Sorry. Oh, no, I was saying, I was basically saying, so you're basically allocating um, the CapEx. You have a plan to outperform, uh, find new new limit to to kind of really turn up the volume on what's, what's happening. Once it's all done- how do you guys go back to verify that like, hey, you were on target, off target, or what we learned, we need to do something different the next time? Yeah, the, the from a Sinesta standpoint, we we have a, our parent company has an asset management function and that's where some of that discipline comes from. And then SPC uh, and RMR, RMR. they're going to write the, the checks. They're going to want to return. So there's a, there's a check on the ROI all along the way. And I think that's part of, what makes us attractive to the franchise community and the investment community is that a very similar process that that they would go through in evaluating the franchise options, we have to do in-house before anybody asks us to, right? And, and then I think, you know, the overlay to that is if we end up with great assets that have a return, you know, there's the proof point. And that is our job as the franchisor and the brander to set a good example, right? Mm. But But doing it with that, owner's lens and that asset management expertise means it should be more uh, rational and it should be um, driven around the things that actually move uh, the consumer, to, you know, just to give you more of their share of wallet when they're traveling. I also think deploying that capital now, as they talk about, oh, there might be a recession or this or whatever is happening. I feel like when that is allocated and the work is done, you'll be ahead of the comp set, correct? Yeah, I mean, the, the goal is always to be uh, to be ahead of the cop set. But, you know, I, I think, you know, we're going to take our rightful, you know, space in each of these segments. And, and I think what the investment community and the development community and the franchise community can count on is that we're putting, uh, our parent company is putting its money where its mouth, mouth is, right? That we're not going to ask you to do anything that we won't do ourselves. And that there is a commitment from the capital partner to get um, these hotels renovated and which creates a uh, risk amelioration to a franchisee who might spend the money, you know, to do it. And then all of those uh, 50 to 60 franchise 
hotels that are now on this uh, through the Sinesta brands, they also all have a renovation requirement around that same time frame. So it'll be really exciting to go back to the market and talk to the consumer, uh, look for those uh, improved performance, but also look for that connection, you know, connection with the consumer. And do you have a rule of thumb for what kind of ROI on that war chest of of capital that you'll deploy to to renovate the properties? Yeah, because I'm not an officer of RMR or SVC, we try and keep a little bit of a, a healthy uh, uh, boundary there. So I don't want to uh, I don't want to go into their expectations. I think the the message is though that ROI is implicit, and these are public companies that need to drive an ROI, and mm-hmm. and that creates some confidence. In the Sinesta brands, we'll uh, we'll take it. It's great to have a parent uh, and a capital partner that wants to spend money. I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Um, hmm. As you look at this growth acceleration, driving scale. So, right, you're in, you're you're obviously growing just in number of properties. You're growing revenue. You're reducing operational costs, which is like the true definition of scale. Um, what's exciting you most about this confluence of everything as you look forward in the medium to long-term? Yeah, look, I think um, the resilience of the traveler is probably my most happy surprise through this, right? We knew that there was going to be a snapback. I didn't think it was going to snap back this strong. And I didn't think that the snap was going to be as sustained. Um, and I truly believe whether we technically go into a recession or not, if unemployment stays low, people are going to spend their disposable income on dining out and go and traveling. It's just it's moved up on you know their version of Maslow's hierarchy for all the reasons that we know. And then technology has enabled it. Right, we're all on a journey with back to work, but that's going to come to life a lot of different ways. But it creates a whole bunch of different stay occasions and different types of experiences. So. I'm going to watch, continue to watch that resiliency of the traveler. You know, I think we have been through a lot. If you think about the Fed raising rates and the election and capital markets and, and all of that, we're through some of that. I think we'll have to continue to watch the uh, the Fed. But if we could get a little stabilization in the capital markets and the debt markets, that'll also be a bit of a platform, you know, for the next, uh, the next step up. Uh, and then, you know, I'm just excited to see the innovation and the renovations that come through, because I think we are at a very unique time where we can reset a little bit around um, the relationship between the franchisor and the franchisee and also around the consumer, right? I think it's our obligation on the brand side and the franchisor side, you know, to flip over a few rocks and make sure that the service profile and the things that we are providing are the critical ones that the consumer wants, but also where we've learned that the consumer is willing to be more flexible than we expected around food and beverage and around housekeeping and around using technology with check-in. Not that they're ever going to give up table stakes, things like cleanliness and service when you need it, but there's a lot there that we can we can right-size to provide return to the owner, continue to provide good service, and to, with the new brand, um, have the brand stand for some of those, you know, different elements. So some of the things we're not ready to announce today that I know that are that are coming are, are pretty exciting in that in that um, in that 
you know, those arenas. I think, you know, watch the space that the James sits in, watch the space that Royal Sinesta sits in, watch our approach to food and beverage. You know, there's some really exciting things coming, uh, you know, in the first part of next year. And look, these are great, great canvases in which to work. And you think about, you know, the design community and the architecture community and the development community that you and I are so close to and have so many for sort of friends and family in, you know, it's just going to be exciting time for that group to work with Sinesta because of that commitment to that big spend. And this isn't, you know, when I say the four to 600 million, that comes right from SVC's uh, investor relations page. That's just our capital partners commitment to their 200 you know, plus hotels. That doesn't include all the franchisee investment that's going to come across the other 50 or 60 hotels. And then the continual investment that comes from the former Red Lion business, right? So you just, you know, not many brands can step out and say, you know, we're going to have nearly or over half a billion dollars spent on the system over the next 24 months. God. Pretty incredible bet by our by our capital partner. And that should also be a, a, a confidence builder for the potential franchisees and investors and JV partners. I love it. And, you know, going back to the beginning of the conversation and thinking about just abundance, excitement, acceleration, growth, like I'm feeling it all, like just in talking to you and also Keith at the lodging conference, like I'm seeing it. And it's almost like I didn't even know all of this was happening. It's like it's like an underreported story that I think we all just need to be mindful of because I think good things happen when you come from a perspective of abundance. Yeah, it's so interesting because I think last year um, in the in the industry trades we were you know we were one of the good news stories right there weren't a lot of them and and we were one of them just you know the growth and employment opportunities and those kind of things as everybody was going through all the all the struggles, but the most industry interest industry one of the most interesting things that we've been going through right now is just going back and learning about the origin stories of the Red Lion business and the Sinesta business, and you know, Sonny and Esther. Did that well, that was the thing. other my other big takeaway: Sonny and fucking Esther. That's amazing. Like I didn't know it was Sonny and Esther, and I want to know who they are or who they were. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of the greatest stories, you know, that I heard was that their first deal they did, uh, the Preston in Massachusetts, they did with five partners, right? So as the development lead, you go, well, that's just great because partnership is sort of in our, you know, in our DNA, you know, same thing, you know, on the, on the Red Lion business, that was two partners that came together with an idea, seeing the market change for, you know, mid-scale lodging and, and, uh, you know, sort of the paving of the roads and, and all those kind of things. And, you know, I think it was the Thunderbird in Portland, Oregon, uh, uh, motor in where it all started, but that ended up morphing into Red Lion and, and Sinesta, um, you know, a lot of a lot of different firsts. You go back to 1968, the year I was born. Um, that was the first time they went international, if you can imagine, when it, when the Sonnabins were the were the owners, right? So, and all these incredible different stories. 1999, they launched Sinesta Posadas um, with our partner GHL. I was just down at one of those assets. These incredible um, experiences in Central and South America um, that. Uh, that the guests can have it in a really uh, organic, um, genuine setting, you know, just sort of incredible. Um, and, you know, on and on it goes, uh, you know, the current company as, as sort of organized, 
really does go back to, um, you know, the relationship with, with RMR and the, and the businesses, you know, coming together. Uh, and then, and then, you know, the pandemic really allowed it to be optimized in a way that probably was not completely, uh, probably accelerated a lot of the ideas that, that were sitting in the boardroom for the company down the road. Well, I think as you guys bring it all to continue to bring it all together and really, um, kind of attach yourself to that rocket ship of growth and scale. Um, I think so many of those stories are going to come out. You know, everyone's been talking about storytelling and storytelling and storytelling. Um, I think that there's so much that could come out of this. Now, I want to go into a time machine for you. So I know you said you were born in 68. You must have a great filter on your camera because I feel like you look so much younger than I do. Yeah, I'll take and, it. And you are older than me, just for the record, everyone. Um, you look pretty good too, Dan. Oh, thanks. You look really good. You look really good. Well, you uh, let me set my own lighting, so come on, you know. Ah, uh, I see. Uh, if you were to go back, what what was the name of the hotel where you were the bellman? It was a Holiday Inn in uh, Ronkonkoma, New York. Ronkonkoma, that's right. So if you were to go back to that Holiday Inn in Ronkonkoma, you right now, the Brian I'm speaking to, you're in front of your 18 or 19-year-old self. Um, what advice do you have given all of your experience and all the cycles you've been through to your 18 year old self checking bags? Yeah, I think uh, I'll, I'll take one further step back. I would tell everybody, find something that you're passionate about, right? Cause I still more days than not when I'm heading to the airport to jump on a plane for a trip, there's more butter butterflies than trepidation, right? It, it's hard to travel and it can be exhausting and, COVID and 9-11 and, you know, there's been a lot of challenges put uh, in our in our way around travel, but it, it continues to still excite me. And I, I go, what is that rooted in? I got that job. Um, I fell in love with it. I like the energy level. I like the, um, you know, human uh, component of it. The other piece is, you know, uh, um, Kemets Wilson used to say half luck and half brains. You know, I had some incredible mentors along the way that, you know, I'm sitting in the hotel and get a new food and beverage director. You know, there's a lot of downtime when you're the van driver and you're the bellman. He invites me into the kitchen and into the uh, into the storage room and into the liquor room. It just starts to teach me, you know, food and beverage cost controls. I didn't necessarily know I was learning them. But how you take an empty bottle out of the bar and you only replace the full bottle and how to how you stack the meats in the refrigerator and when you write uh, the food off against the expiration date and all those kind of little things. And that was, you know, was that luck, luck or brains or faith? You know, I was in the right place at the right time, but I was open. Right. So find something that you're passionate about and then be open. There's always opportunities to learn, you know, put yourself put yourself out there. I did 10 years. 10 plus years in ops. I didn't know I was going to end up in, you know, uh, finance and real estate and, and the franchising side of the business. You know, gravity took me there over time, but I really was in love with ops at that point. But I had these incredible opportunities two or three times to accelerate through my ops experience. Um, you know, training is always something that's tough nowadays. And it's tough in some ways, but also there's more training than ever, right? You can get online and find out a lot of things about how hotels work and certain brands work and certain technologies work. Go take a moment and to get yourself educated. And when something new comes along, jump onto something new. I'm, I was in New Orleans in operations, uh, revenue management. We're going to now do revenue management, something new. We had to have all this training. And, you know, this was in the, in the 90s 
post uh, post uh, the uh, um, sort of end of the Gulf War, and uh, I think um, just at the end of that little mini recession, and um, uh, we had two hotels in the French Quarter. We let the humans manage the yield on one, and we let the system manage the yield on the other. And of course, the system, you know, beat the humans because it could see the cancellations and it recognized the revenue across multiple days. And that's just something you can't see when you look at the inventory. But wow. again, we had four hotels in the in uh, New Orleans, and um, I was the number two at the, um, or I guess, rooms uh, doing rooms guest service management at that time. And um, some of the hotels wanted to participate. I'm like, yeah, I'll participate. Right. I got exposed to the franchise side of the business, learned revenue management before it was ubiquitous. Right. Helped that company launch it. Uh, you know, so that was another leveling up. Right. All of a sudden I had the new tools. Um, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to be exposed to them and, and had an incredible team around me that allowed me to go learn them. Um, you know, that was an accelerator. Right. Uh, so I think um, find something that you're passionate about. Take advantage of any and all training, and then push in a little bit, right? It took some guts for a 17-year-old, uh, um, you know, Bellman to say, yeah, I'll, I'll go, tell me about this. How do you handle the liquor room or how you handle the, the kitchen, how you handle the storage of all the food um, and to hang in there and, and, and learn it um, was, was incredible. But to, to think all of that has come together with two portfolios of hotels that I care about with two uh, and, you know, an executive team that I respect with an incredibly well-capitalized parent company. Um, it's a pretty exciting time. And, and I recognize that uh, uh, more, maybe more luck than brains, but, uh, but uh, that I'm in a unique spot and, uh, and happy to be uh, sitting in the chair and I'm sort of can't wait to see what happens next. I love it. Let's well. Let's just let's not sell yourself short. Let's just say it's luck and brains. Okay, Great. luck yeah. and brains. We're not we're not going to skew it one way or the other. <laughs> I I think something that resonated with me and and it, it reminds me of many conversations that I've had over the past um, more than a year on this defining hospitality podcast is this idea of open hearted listening, being open, being open hearted, especially in the operations of a hotel, because there's so many different channels of business that you could just go and work in a hotel and learn so much about everything, whether it's F&B, how to treat guests, how to connect Sales, with people. Technology, you're exactly right. It's all there. It's like a little entrepreneurial laboratory, each hotel. And, um, and know, it also just seems to me like everything seemed to be so disjointed that you really need people to kind of like tie it all together. I, I know you keep talking about technology and I think that the platforms are evolving, but it still seems like everything has, you, you need people to make it all come together. Yeah, look, hospitality, you think about where we are just culturally and post COVID and everything that's gone up, right? A lot of division, a lot of disruption, a lot of calls for greater diversity. Hospitality is one of those beautiful things that sort of works across all three of those, right? Everybody's money is green. Everyone has an aspiration to travel. It's part of the human condition to climb up the mountain and look over the other side. So let's take advantage. Let's take the win. Hospitality is a place 
where we can not be disruptive, where we can embrace diversity, where we can come together, right? Everyone loves a great drink. Everybody loves a great meal. Everybody loves to travel at all the different price points and, you know, have all the different experiences. So I just think this is an incredible time for hospitality. You, you sort of framed it a different way as sort of someone entering the industry. I also think for all of us that are leaders in the industry, let's show that we can be the opposite of those things and bring people, you know, bring people together. And then, you know, as it relates, as it relates to the franchisor franchisee relationship, I just think it's one of the most powerful ones ever created in American business. Um, you know, people take their phones out, you know, and say, well, I don't know anything about franchising, but well, almost everything on that iPhone or on that, uh, um, uh, G phone, uh, uh, Google phone or whichever one you have is all licensing and licensing is a form of franchise, right? Yeah. You want to take a brand to the masses, there's usually some franchising or licensing effort underneath it. It's really the only way to, to scale up, right? So um, if, if you've got a great idea and you want to bring it to the masses, it's it's that critical business element and business partnership between the franchisor or the fran and the franchisee. You know, and, and then I think lastly, you know, it is our journey to bring other people on the journey, right? I was telling you about a, a circumstance that I had where the F&B team, uh, you know, uh, introduced me to that piece and the, the tech team introduced me to the revenue piece. You know, it, it is absolutely, you know, our job uh, at this point in our careers to bring other people along. And that's been an incredibly, you know, fun part of it. And now I have, you know, some folks that I've been able to do that for, and I want, I want to do it for others and, and be mindful of that responsibility, you know, going forward. I love it. And um, you're, you're speaking my language, man. So I appreciate that. If people wanted to learn more about you or connect with you, what's the best way? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is, is an easy way to connect. And then the uh, Sinesta development website, either one of those. Perfect. And we'll put those in the show notes. So Brian, this has been really just so incredible. And just I'm, I'm feeling filled up. And I'm, I'm <laughs> feeling like, I don't know, I just feel very abundant right now and it's right we're recording just before thanksgiving so like this was a, a great cornucopia of a of a conversation so i thank you very much my sign off was going to be i am thankful for your podcast and for your interview and i am thankful for dan ryan so have a happy thanksgiving everybody all right and uh you ain't seen nothing like the mighty quinn so uh thank you to all of our listeners again i say this every week and i'm just humbled by it our listenership it grows every single week so we must be speaking about stuff that people are into. So uh, if this has changed your opinion or way of thinking about hospitality or abundance or entrepreneurism or franchising, please pass it on uh, and share it with a friend. So thank you everyone. And we will see you next time.